Hello, everybody. It is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Really appreciate you guys' support a ton on the show. It's been doing excellent. I think we're in for a great episode in this one. I got a lot of stuff to talk about. So, yeah, let's just get right into it. First, talking about part one of my top 50 NBA players. We're going 50 to 26 in this one. First, starting off. With number 50, we got DeMar DeRozan of the San Antonio Spurs, coming off a pretty decent season. Uh, a guy who, even though he's very good at what he's good at, uh, does obviously have some big limitations that hold him back as a player. And honestly, I'm just not a big fan of his play style and how it fits in the modern NBA. He is a guy who can kill it in the mid-range, a very good slasher. His playmaking has improved a lot, especially with the San Antonio Spurs. He averaged 5.6 last year. That's very nice. Uh, and yeah, like I said, he's very good at what he's good at. One of the best mid-range shooters in the league, a very good slasher, uh, like playmaking pretty good, but defense has never been something he's really been good at. Uh, it's just never been his forte three point shooting. He showed some signs, uh, when he was part of the Toronto Raptors, but he really just has completely stopped taking them as a whole. Uh, took 0.6 last year, took 0.5 this year, and I would just like to see him on another team. I think a team with a better fit, for sure, uh, could maximize his talents more, as he is a guy who's one of the better ISO scorers in the league, which is impressive considering the Spurs do have a pretty big lack of spacing. Uh, we've heard the rumors that maybe uh, the Hawks want to go all in and they'd be willing to trade their sixth pick. I think... Uh, DeMar DeRozan to the Hawks would be a beautiful fit with a guy like Trey Young, who's obviously an excellent shooter, uh, another second, another score next to him, and then they have a bunch of wings that can really shoot the ball. John Collins, great shooter for a four. DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish uh, both didn't have great rookie seasons, but showed some nice signs, and I expect to have a good season next year. So I would just like to see DeMar DeRozan on another team, but he's definitely a valuable player. I just don't like him that much in the modern NBA, if I'm being honest. Uh, next, at 49, we got Bojan Bogdanovic coming off an excellent season for the Utah Jazz. They definitely missed him uh, in their bubble run. I think if he's there, that 3-1 lead is definitely not being blown because he's just such a good and efficient offensive player. A guy who uh, just knows his role and plays it to perfection. Averaged 20 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists on 45% from the field, 41% from 3, and 90% from the line. That efficiency is excellent. Near 50-40-90 territory as a 20-point scorer is so, so good for him. Uh, someone who can also, even though he's not some sort of lockdown defender, uh, he is a pretty good defender, and uh, when he's really focused on that end, he can honestly be... Uh, nearly elite one. We saw him uh, a couple years ago in the series against LeBron James, where obviously you're not going to stop LeBron because it's LeBron. Uh, but he played some excellent defense and did the best job you could at, at containing him as much as you can. Uh, just a versatile guy who I think could uh, seamlessly slide into any team and would fit perfectly. He can play the three and the four, can guard uh, both of those positions. Uh, isn't some sort of crazy playmaker, but it's not like he's a bad one either. And, yeah, he just knows his role, plays it to perfection. Excellent shooter. Uh, has improved on that every single year with him shooting more and more uh, attempts and better percentages. He shot 7.3 a game on 41%. That is elite shooting. And I feel like he goes super under the radar. Bojan Bogdanovic is a very, very good player. Uh, at 48, we got Gordon Hayward of the Boston Celtics. A player coming off a really nice bounce-back season. Obviously, uh, had his big injury. And then had a pretty poor season in the next one where he was just not 
simply uh, good, but he was very, very good in this uh, season. Average 17.5 points, 6.7 rebounds, 4 assists on 50% from the field, 38% from 3, and 85.5% from the line. Uh, just an offensive player who can really do a bunch of different things. Uh, someone who's a very, very good playmaker. He's basically, ever since he came into the league, uh, has always just been a guy who's going to make the right pass and is very smart as a facilitator. Uh, a lot of the times was either the main or secondary playmaker for a Celtics team that didn't have really a true uh, playmaking guy. Someone who rebounds the ball well. And then someone who can score in a variety of ways. He's a really good three-level scorer. Uh, finishes at the basket well. His three-point shot is something that was very good last year. Uh, 38% on 4.3 a game. Uh, he can shoot the mid-range well. He just can really do everything on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, he's not really like necessarily super elite at anything, but he's just very, very well-rounded and very solid on the offensive side of the ball. And he's a pretty de- decent defender as well. Uh, just a player that, even though he's on the big uh, contract that he is, I think he's still a very valuable piece. Uh, there's been rumors that he wants to leave the Boston Celtics, which is definitely uh, very interesting news. And uh, I think the Celtics would lose some value with uh, losing him, but I think he could go on to another team. I think he could go on to a team like the Indiana Pacers if the Celtics were interested in trading for Miles Turner. I think he'd be a, a guy who could just seamlessly fit in. He's very similar to Bojan Bogdanovic, where he's a guy who I, I can just trust to seamlessly fit in wherever he goes, and I think Gordon Hayward is a really, really skilled player. Uh, next, we got John Morant coming off an excellent rookie season. The 2020 Rookie of the Year uh, nearly led... The, a Memphis Grizzlies team that really wasn't believed in uh, to the playoffs. He was excellent in his rookie season. Uh, averaged 17.8 points, about four rebounds, 7.3 assists, 47.7% for the field, 33.5% from three, and 77.6% from the line. Definitely would like to see him improve his three ball. That's uh, by far the biggest weakness of his game. Only shot 2.7 in the game on not a very good percent. One of the worst uh, three-point shooting starting point guards in the league, uh, for sure. But as a guy who is an excellent playmaker, uh, has some of the best vision in the entire league. Uh, someone who, obviously, we know about his athleticism. He can attack the basket really well. Uh, I am worried sometimes because he's a little out of control. And I'm worried that that could lead to injuries at some point. But he hasn't really dealt with injuries so far throughout his young career. So hopefully he continue. Uh, to not deal with that because he's just a highlight machine who's so so fun to watch not a very good defender but at least puts in a decent amount of effort on that end and I just think uh, he brought this confidence to this Grizzlies team that was super valuable I think he was an excellent leader as a rookie and he had some big games Uh, he had that game against the Rockets where he outplayed James Harden Uh, he just had multiple massive games a nearly willed a Grizzlies team that dealt with injuries, dealt with Jaron Jackson Jr. being injured to the playoffs uh, in some intense bubble games against the uh, Portland Trailblazers. And yeah, John Morant is an excellent player. I expect him to take another leap next season and continue to get better and better every single year. Uh, next, we got DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, coming off a very solid uh, second year, uh, didn't play as many games as he wanted to because he was dealing with some spen- uh, suspensions, and then he had uh, some, just some little injuries here and there. He had like some ankle injuries, uh, but he's a guy who's just 
very dominant on the offensive side of the ball, is an elite rebounder, averages almost four offensive rebounds a game, 11 and a half overall, uh, dominates in the post. Definitely would like to see him get to the free throw line more, only gets to the free throw line 2.3 times a game, which for at his size and his play style, he definitely should more because he relies a lot on his like fadeaway jumpers, which he's definitely good at. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I would just like to see him really go into people and get to the free throw line more, because he's a pretty efficient free throw shooter as well, so just get him some more easy offense there, but yeah, he's just an excellent uh, presence down low, a guy who uh, has shown some potential to expand his range, especially in the bubble, he was showing an ability to hit threes, he had already showed the ability to hit the mid-range out of the pick and pop pretty well uh, in the regular season as well, and then he's a guy who's definitely uh, improved on the defensive side of the ball. That was the biggest worry coming in uh, for him in his career, and by no means is he a perfect defender, but he's gotten better, averaged about one and a half blocks per game, and has just gotten a lot better at sliding his feet, about knowing uh, where where to be and when to be there. Uh, just things you pick up uh, as you get more and more experience, and I think he's in for a massive season next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a 22-point score, 12 rebounds, uh, if he's starting to expand his range. I just really think uh, he's a generational talent at the big man position especially. Uh, next, we got Jaron Jackson Jr., in my opinion, the best player on the Memphis Grizzlies. Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming off an excellent season average 17.4 points 4.6 rebounds 1.4 assists 47 percent for the field 39 percent from three and about 75 percent from the line what's most impressive by far about jaron jackson jr is his ability to shoot the ball even though he is one of the most awkward releases in the nba where he shoots it like a kid who like isn't strong enough to shoot threes it goes in he shot 6.5 a game on 39 percent as a near seven footer that is ridiculous and is a truly truly special part of his game and that's something that very few players who are his size can say he is so so special definitely has to get uh, his fouling issue down because that's something that plagued him a lot in his rookie year and continued to plague him in the second year average four fouls a game that's just unacceptable but when he is not fouling he's a really really good defender as well a guy who's super versatile uh, is an excellent shot blocker average 1.6 per game uh, but can also guard on the perimeter really well he's a guy who's super versatile uh, can switch on guards all the time I've seen him so many times uh, switch on a guard or wing and they think they can blow by him but he's just so athletic with a uh, great size and excellent wingspan and a defensive IQ that isn't perfect like I said fouls are an issue but uh, is growing every game and as he gets more experience would like to see him um, maybe put on a little bit of weight become a better rebounder but that's honestly the only like weakness to his game because he was even sh uh, showing the ability to handle the ball a little bit more especially in the bubble we saw him uh, in some games pull off some very impressive moves I remember like specifically he uh, a big man closed out on him it was a big man or a wing closed out him on him it was against the uh, Portland Trailblazers and he pump fake because he's such a deadly three-point shooter they go by him he goes in euro steps dunks on Yusuf Nurkic like if he can continue to do stuff like that uh, more on the regular then that's just uh, going to be another facet to his already very skilled offensive game, especially in an M in an NBA where the post isn't really uh, as necessary as it used to be. He can still be a very dominant uh, offensive player without having to be a good post player. And yeah, he's just proved that. I think he's in for an excellent season next year. 
he could honestly be a guy who takes seven threes a game and shoots over 40%. I just think he's so, so talented. And I think he can be an all-NBA-level defender at some point in his career. That some point isn't now, but he's so, so good. I love Jaron Jackson Jr.'s game. He's honestly one of my favorite players in the league. I might get a, uh, a jersey of him. He's just so, so good. I love him. Uh, next, we got John Collins, another guy like DeAndre Ayton who didn't play as much as you would have wanted because he was dealing with some suspensions, but uh, when he played, he was excellent. Uh, averaged about 21.5 points, 10.1 rebounds, 1.5 assists on 58% from the field, 40% from 3, and 80% from the line. Three-point shot definitely took a big leap as he shot the most attempts and shot by far the best percentage. Uh, still isn't like his forte. At the end of the day, he's... A guy who you want down low, a guy who you want setting screens uh, and rolling to the basket. But if he can just continue to work on that part of his game and can continue to expand his offensive game as a whole, then that just makes his ability to uh, roll to the basket and attack the basket even better. Because if he's setting a screen, a defense has to think, oh, is he going to pop out for three or is he going to roll to the basket? And then you got such a dynamic offensive player next to him like Trey Young, who is an excellent passer and who is always going to find John Collins. They have great chemistry. So that's a part of his game that's super deadly. Uh, a very good rebounder as well. And we just saw his impact. The Hawks were still not a good team necessarily when John Collins played for them, but they were a much better team than when he was out. Still would like to see him work on the defensive side of the ball as I want to see him be able to play a bit more small ball five. He is a guy who averaged 1.6 blocks, but overall he just uh, doesn't exactly have everything down on that end. So if he can improve that, if he can be a guy who can play some spurts as a small ball center, I think that would make his game even better. And I think that would make this Hawks team super dynamic. If you could put a, out a lineup that's like Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins, that is a ridiculous offensive lineup. Definitely may struggle on the defensive side of the ball, but that's so, so talented. Uh, on offense and he would just have to be a better defensive anchor but I still like John Collins game a lot I just love how efficient he is as an offensive player I mean he shot 64% from uh, twos on 11 uh, per game shot very good from the free throw line as well just a nice efficient offensive player next we got D'Angelo Russell coming off of a bit of a weird season just because he played for two teams that weren't very good at all and that weren't competing when he was playing uh, but he was still uh, very, very good uh, last year. Averaged 23 points, about 4 rebounds, 6.3 assists on 42% from the field, 36.7% uh, uh, from 3, and 81% from the line. Is just a very, very skilled offensive player who has a lot of uh, tricks up his sleeve. A guy who is uh, an excellent shooter at floaters. He's so, so good uh, with floaters. A guy who's a very good player. Uh, playmaker on offense as well, can shoot the mid-range, uh, can really step out and hit threes. He shoots uh, a pretty uh, high am amount per game. I mean, he shot 7.8 uh, per game this year. No, he shot 9.6. That's ridiculous. He shot 7.8 last year, and he shot 36.7%. That's excellent. He's a uh, one of those rare guys who can hit those step back threes would like to see him maybe get to the line a little more uh, 4.4 isn't terrible and has improved from his previous season so that's good but if he can get there even more that would just make his offensive game even better and like I said he's just a super skilled offensive players who can uh, do so many things the defensive side of the ball is definitely something that's an issue uh, and it's something that's going to continue to be an issue especially now that he has Carl Anthony Towns 
uh, as his center, but he's still a very, very skilled offensive player who can do so many things. And I'm really excited to see him and Cat play uh, together next year because we really didn't see them play uh, too much because uh, when he got there, uh, Cat was injured. I don't know if they even played a single game together, but I think that pick and pop is going to be crazy dynamic, uh, and they're going to be two really nice offensive players next to each other. Uh, next, we got Nikola Vucevic, a guy who uh, is just a very, very good offensive player. Average 19.6 points, almost 11 rebounds, uh, 3.6 assists, and is someone who really has had to carry this uh, really bad Orlando Magic's offense these past couple of years. And even though I would honestly like to see him moved because I really like Mo Bamba and think he could be very good, uh, I think without him, the Orlando Magic would fall off a cliff. They'd still be a good defensive team, but their offense would be atrocious. He just does so much for them. A guy who can shoot the ball pretty well at the center position. 34% obviously isn't special by any means, but he did shoot 4.7 a game, so that's pretty good. Just having him as a threat out there. A very skilled post player who is just really good down there. Could do uh, a lot of different things uh, in the post. Ha- is a pretty good passer as well, to be honest. Uh, the, the defensive side of the ball is something that he definitely could use work on uh, and is not perfect by any means. But he is just a really nice offensive player who's uh, had to carry the load for a very bad, uh, at least offensive team in the Orlando Magic. They're definitely good on the defensive side of the ball, but they struggle a ton on offense. And yeah, uh, he's coming off another good season. Back-to-back very, very good seasons for Nikola Vucevic. Uh, next, we got the Aaron Fox. Uh, Definitely had to deal with some injuries this year. Uh, Played 51 games. He had uh, some ankle injuries, but I love De'Aaron Fox's game, and I think he's so, so good. A guy who is obviously known for his speed and definitely uh, is well-deserved as he's easily one of the fastest players in the league, Uh, especially when he's getting in passing lanes, which he's very good at. Very solid defender for a point guard. When he's getting in the passing lanes and getting steals, he's... Uh, elite in transition as just no one could keep up with him uh, is a very good playmaker as well average 6.8 assists a game someone who works very well in the pick and roll uh, is a guy who is great at attacking the basket uh, can shoot the mid-range here and there and then three-point shot is definitely something that was very disappointing as he shot uh, a great percentage especially for him in the 2019 season where he shot 2.9 a game on 37 percent this season he shot 3.6 a game on 29 percent um didn't shoot uh, free throws very well either at only about 70% for a point guard, uh, but did get to the line 6.7 times a game, which I always like to see, stuff like that. And like I said, a guy who plays defense very, very well. Uh, I would like them to have a different coach. They are uh, keeping Luke Walton, which I think is a massive mistake because he's a guy who has uh, held De'Aaron Fox back a lot, in my opinion. Uh, They were running this super slow-paced offense that just doesn't fit De'Aaron Fox because he's a guy who you want out in transition. He can play in the half court well, and that just shows he's a very good player, but he thrives uh, mostly in transition. Uh, but that just shows how good of a player he is, where I think their system they were running last year was terrible, and De'Aaron Fox was still able to overcome, uh, put up good numbers, and uh, be impactful for their team. 
Next, I got Zach Levine, a guy who we all know can really, really score the ball. 25.5 points, about 4.8 rebounds, and 4.2 assists last year. Shot 45% from the field, 38% from three, and 80% from the line. Honestly, I think he's a little bit underrated as a three-point shooter. Like, people know he's a good three-point shooter, but I don't think people really understand the magnitude that he is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And it makes sense because he plays for the Bulls. The Bulls have been bad these past couple years, and they really don't get much of a uh, attention but he shot 8.1 a game in 38 percent that's truly truly elite stuff right there uh he can attack the basket very well we all know he's ridiculously athletic uh, can shoot the mid-range well, can just kind of do everything on the offensive side of the ball. Playmaking is something I'd like to see him become better at, uh, as it's just not really his natural game uh, yet, at least. But it's something that definitely has gotten better these past couple of years, and I think he'll continue to get better. Because every single season, he's uh, taken a jump, even if that's a big or small jump. He's gotten better every single season and just refined his game uh, more and more. Would like to see him put uh, in more effort on the defensive side of the ball. But that may be something that just never comes with him. And even without that, he's still a very good player. Wouldn't want him as, like, my number one option on a championship team or anything. But I think he could be a really nice number two. And, yeah, Zach Levine is just a great offensive player. Uh, next, we got another very skilled offensive player. We got CJ McCollum coming off a pretty good season for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, scored 22 points per game, uh, about four rebounds, four assists on 45% of the field, 38% from three, and about 76% of the line. The free throw shooting was a little bit weird, as that's a much lower percent than he shot uh, basically since 2016. So I expect that to be better next year. I think that was just a bit of an outlier. But yeah, he was really good for uh, this Portland Trailblazers team. They were uh, really crippled with injuries this year, had to deal with a lot of just different injuries. Yusuf Nurkic was down for uh, a good bit of the year. Uh, Rodney Hood was down for a little bit. Uh, he only played like 20 games or so. So uh, CJ had to step up, and he played some very good basketball, shot the three ball excellent Uh I mean, he shot 7.3 game and shot about 38%. That's very, very good stuff from him right there. Uh, pretty good playmaker, four and a half assist game. And it's just someone who you can re really rely on to score the ball. A great second option for sure. Uh, someone who can hit those really t difficult shots. And we saw that, uh, especially in the bubble when the Trailblazers basically had to win to make the playoffs. He stepped up huge uh, and played some excellent basketball. Was able to hit some really tough shots. A player who can hit those really tough step back mid ranges, tough step back threes, and that's something that is very, very valuable for sure. Uh, next, we got Kemba Walker. Uh, Kemba is coming off a pretty uh, weird season. Was good in the regular season, but did have to deal with some injuries as well. He was uh, dealing with some knee injuries uh, here and there, uh, and that's something that did reoccur in the bubble a little bit too. Uh, but was still a good offensive player. Uh, shot 8.43s a game and shot 38%. Uh, averaged 20 points per game. Got to the free throw line pretty well uh, and shot uh, great from there. Was uh, the Celtics most of the time either their uh, secondary or third playmaker and did a decent job at that. And what I loved about Kemba Walker this season the most, honestly, was just his uh, willingness to sacrifice for the team uh, and just do anything to win. Uh, even if that meant there was 
there would be a game where he scored 12 points. Like, he didn't care. And that's something that's definitely super value. And that just shows a lot of maturity out of him and shows a certain type of leadership that the Celtics definitely needed because they're, they're a pretty young team at the end of the day. So you got to have a guy uh, like that who sets the example and isn't going to allow uh, anybody else to... Uh, just be selfish out there. So, yeah, I really like what Kemba Walker brought to the Celtics in the regular season, but he had a pretty bad playoffs, just wasn't reliable, was very inconsistent, and even though he did uh, hit some big shots at key moments, I just want to see him be more efficient. Uh, the three-point shot was something that really wasn't hitting for him as he shot 7.4 game and only shot uh, 31%, which is something I don't expect to uh, keep up because he's so so good as a three-point shooter so yeah i would just like to see him be better in the playoffs but i think he's still a very good player uh, and i just want to hit on something i did miss a player uh by accident yusuf nurkic was my 30 uh 41st player behind De'Aaron fox uh yusuf nurkic is a great uh offensive player who can do a bunch of different things really good in the post uh an excellent passer one of the best passing centers in the league someone who's showed the willingness to expand his game uh even though he's not a great defender he can uh, play pretty good defense and he's just a really versatile guy especially at that center position we saw him he was one of the only players uh in the past couple of years to get a five by five game so yeah i really like Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, sorry that I forgot to hit on him, but yeah, he's the 41st, uh, and Kemba Walker was my 37th player. At 36, we got Drew Holiday, currently of the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, did hear rumors that they were uh, willing to trade him, which I will talk about later in the show. Uh, but just as a player, strictly, Drew Holiday is very, very good. I love Drew Holiday's game. Uh, he's a guy who can really defend. Like He is one of, if not like the best defensive guard in the league. Uh, I'd probably have Ben Simmons and Marcus Smart over him. Uh, even Marcus Smart is questionable. The The only like solidified guy I'd have over Drew Holiday as a guard defender is Ben Simmons, but Drew Holiday is up there. He's just so excellent on that side of the ball. Is someone who, even though he is smaller, uh, has versatility just because of how hard he plays on that end and how uh, smart the smart of a player he is on that end. He can guard uh, threes at sometimes. We've seen him like had to be put on Kevin Durant at certain times, and that just shows uh, how versatile he is. And he's never going to uh, be a guy who's going to complain about that at all. He's just going to take on that assignment head on and do the best that he can. Uh, also a very solid offensive player. His three-point shot is nothing uh, special, but, I mean, he shot 5.7 a game on 35%. That's pretty decent. Uh, very good playmaker as well. I feel like that's a super underrated aspect of his games. Uh, he's had seasons where he's averaged... Uh, damn near eight assists. He averaged eight assists in a season. Uh, he averaged 6.7 this uh, previous season, and that's with uh, Lonzo Ball alongside him, who was obviously one of the best point guards in the league. Brandon Ingram uh, had a pretty high usage rate. Uh, Zion Williamson was a guy who they involved in the offense a lot, and he was still so, so good. He's a guy who's super unselfish. Uh, is never going to be someone who you're going to hear complaining really about anything. He's just going to go out there and try and play uh, winning basketball. He's never going to be someone who you're worrying about, oh, you have to give him this certain amount of shots. Uh, and, yeah, I just love Drew Holiday's game. I love what he brings to any team. Definitely would like to see him shoot uh, free throws a little better, maybe uh, shoot the three ball a little better, but he's just still a very good player and is a very valuable trade asset for this Pelicans team. Uh, next 
we got Zion Williamson. Obviously played in a smaller sample size with him only playing 24 games, but he was excellent in those games. And this is also accounting for uh, how much I think these players are going to improve as a player. Zion averaged 22.5 points, 6.3 rebounds, 2.1 assists on 58% from the, uh, from the field. Uh, 43% from three, which is obviously uh, not him. He only shot 0.6 a game. That's why that percentage is so high. And 64% from the line. Uh, is someone who, just as a raw talent, is so, so talented as a player. Obviously, we know about his athleticism is just ridiculous. Uh, even though I would like to see him cut down on the weight a little bit for sure, Uh him being a heavier player at the end of the day because that's what he's always going to be even though even if he slims down a little bit him just being a heavier player allows him just to be honestly a dominant force on the offensive glass he averaged 2.7 rebounds a game he's a guy who is very very good uh, at when he misses his own shot getting the offensive rebounds and putting it back up where he can either get to the free throw line or uh, generate more points for his team and I love that about his game. He's a guy who cuts to the basket very well and is a great lob threat because you can throw it up so high and rely on him to get it. Uh, he gets to the free throw line at a great rate. 7.4 game in only uh, about 28 minutes of action is excellent. Would like to see him shoot a better percentage, but just getting to the line that much and getting 4.8 points per game off that is great for him. Uh, he even though he only averaged two assists per game, he's still a very, very good passer who uh, has pretty good vision, and uh, especially uh, in the open court and in the fast break, he's a great passer. Uh, the most thing I would like to see him improve on, honestly, is the defensive side of the ball. He's a player who obviously has all the athleticism, all the size in the world to be a great defender, uh, but it wasn't even a lack of effort, honestly. It was just a lack of understanding. Uh, he would get beat in rotations a lot and a lot of times he would just seem a little bit lost on the defensive side of the ball so that's something he definitely needs to work on uh, and become better at uh, because I think he can truly be like an all NBA type defender with just his crazy size and athleticism he's a guy who can really get up and get some highlight blocks here and there uh, he's a guy who, if he's going to get a steal in the passing lane, he's going to be gone in transition. So, yeah, I think Zion's in for a ridiculous season next year, and he's just such a good player. Uh, next, we got DeMontis Sabonis coming off an excellent season for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, one of the best uh, playmaking bigs in the entire league, and it really shouldn't even be an argument. I feel like it's not talked about nearly enough how good of a playmaker he is at at the big man position. He averaged five assists per game. He's a guy who's uh, so excellent, on, uh, especially at that elbow area, because he can uh, really play make out of there. And then he's a guy who's really, really good in the post as well. So that just makes his game uh, super dynamic. Three-point shot is something that's just really never going to be him. Uh, he only shot 1.1 a game on, like, 25%. That's uh, not very good, but... He can shoot the mid-range at least decently uh, if he's put in like a pick-and-pop situation. And where he really thrives is around the basket. He's one of the better low-post scorers in the entire league. Uh, his game is just really refined down there, and he's really skilled. Uh, and he's also a guy who's an excellent rebounder. Uh, basically, you can rely on him to get at least 10 rebounds every single game. Averaged almost 12 and a half. Uh, average about three offensive rebounds. He's just such a good rebounder. I mean, last year in only 25 minutes per game off the bench, he averaged uh, about nine and a half rebounds. That just shows how talented he is as a rebounder. And yeah, I just think he's so valuable on the offensive side of the ball, and he's really, really important uh, for 
this uh, Pacers team and with his passing, with his ability to score the ball, he makes their offense run a lot of the times, and most of the time he's going to be their number one option. Uh, next, we got Chris Stapps Porzingis of the Dallas Mavericks. Is a guy who you're always going to be worried about him being injured because at the end of the day, he's a 7-3 guy. And uh, for someone that big, it's just hard to stay healthy, especially when you're a higher usage player who's more out on the perimeter uh, and is creating more. But Chris Stapps is still an excellent player who I think would just be a perfect fit on almost any NBA team because he can really, really shoot the hell out of the ball. Uh, as a 7-3 dude, to be able to shoot 7 a game on 35%, and I think that percentage will get even better next year when he's more comfortable uh, and he's uh, more healthy from that ACL injury. That was definitely affecting him a lot at the beginning of the season. You could very uh, blatantly see it. Uh, and he still played decent because he's a guy who, uh, at the end of the day, is seven foot three. He's an excellent shot blocker. Is always going to be a threat as a three point shooter. It's gotten better as a rebounder. Still isn't like an elite rebounder by any means, but it's definitely gotten uh, better and is pretty solid there. Uh, his post game uh, is something that I'd like to see him work on. It's not even like I want him to be posting up other bigs all the time. It's more taking advantage of mismatches when smaller players are switched on to because that was his biggest issue. Was a lot of times I feel like he would settle for fadeaway jumpers when guys who are just way smaller than him were on him. Like, uh, I remember specifically because I went to this game where it was um, Mavericks versus uh, Celtics in Boston where Marcus Smart was on him a lot of the game, and he was just letting it. Uh, him stop him so much and that was really frustrating to watch even as a Celtics fan and someone who wanted them to win the game I was like Chris Tabs, you are way too uh, skilled and way too big to allow someone like Marcus Smart who obviously plays super hard on the defensive side of the ball but at the end of the day it's like a 6-4 guy to stop you uh, but I think we really saw Chris Stapps uh, play some ridiculous basketball towards the end of the season uh, and in the bubble for sure. Chris Stapps was absolutely phenomenal in the bubble. And Luca and him really started to click uh, as far as chemistry-wise. They had decent chemistry uh, throughout the season, but like they really started to figure each other's games out and were just complimenting each other so much and were just playing such good basketball. Chris Stapps was averaging like 30 points a game in the bubble. Uh, he was playing excellent in that Clipper series. I think, honestly, if Chris Stapps is there, I'm uh, picking the Mavericks to win that series. And obviously you can say that's hindsight because the Clippers blew the 3-1 lead. But the Mavericks easily could have gone up 2-0 with Chris Haps-Rizengis. They should have won the first game, uh, but he got ejected. That was terrible. And then he got injured, which was just really unlucky for them. So, yeah, Chris Haps is obviously just a very skilled player. Ridiculous skill for him being a 7-3 guy. Uh, and I think he's in for an excellent season next year. I just pray he stays healthy because him and Luka Doncic are really, truly going to be a special duo for years and years to come as long as he can stay healthy. Next, we got Jamal Murray at number 32. Jamal Murray, as we all know, is coming off an excellent playoff run where he played uh, by far the best basketball of his career, and it's really not even close. He was a guy who a lot of the time showed flashes, and those flashes were nice, but at the end of the day, they were just flashes. He was a decent player in the regular season, but you didn't see him truly ascend to where we all knew he could go but he just hadn't gone yet. Like, his three-point shot was something that was honestly pretty disappointing. He shot 
uh, about 35% in the regular season on five and a half attempts per game. I thought he could have shot more attempts and shot a better percentage. Uh, his He got to the free throw line uh, only three times a game. Did shoot a great percentage from there, but again, only three times a game. Uh, really isn't ever going to be this guy who's an excellent playmaker. We'll probably always average around maybe five assists per his career. And I just wanted to see more consistency out of him because it would be like he'd have a game here and there where it's like, wow, Jamal Murray is a special offensive talent where he'd score like 35, and he's a guy who could score in bunches. We saw him uh, in the 2019 season score 50 against the Celtics. Like, he's one of those guys who can really score in bunches when he gets hot. But then it would just be like, oh, 16-point game here, 18-point game here, 14-point game here. Uh, 19 here and like that's not bad by any means but it wasn't special but in the playoffs he was consistent and he was consistently excellent average 26 and a half points on 50 percent of the field 45 percent from three on 7.2 attempts per game got to the line 4.1 times uh, and shot very very well from there almost shooting 90 percent even his playmaking took a big step as well which is something that definitely went under the radar because everyone including myself was so enamored with his uh scoring because that's just obvious i mean in a near 20 game stretch he averaged uh 26 and a half points per game that's special stuff right there and if he can even continue some of that like i don't expect him to average 26 and a half points on 45 percent from the field because then he would uh, I mean, 45% from three on 7.2 attempts, because then he would truly be like a top 20 player in the league. But if he can average 23 to 24 points on like six and a half attempts and shoot uh, maybe around the 38 to 40% range, be uh, the playmaker that we saw him be, because I definitely think he can t- continue that as a playmaker, because I just feel like he felt a lot more confident. Uh, and he just saw the floor a lot better because things were just open, opening up for him so much. Because when you're dominating like that on the offensive side of the ball, uh, they got to put more attention on you. And then he was just taking full advantage of that and feeding his teammates who they were paying less attention to. So if he can just continue to do that, it's going to be excellent. And him and uh, Nikola Jokic make up one of the best duos in the entire league. I think Jamal Murray's in for an excellent season next year. I uh, think he's not exactly going to keep up his like playoff run, but I think he's still going to play very good. Uh, next, we got Jalen Brown at number 31. Jalen Brown, one of the most improved players in the entire league. I feel like he should have got way more love for that award, uh, but he came off a season that was really disappointing. Averaged only 13 points on about 46.5% from the field, 34.5% from three. Uh, And he was someone who got paid a big contract, and a lot of people were very critical for a very good reason. But Jalen Brown improved a ton in the 2020 season. He's a guy who, uh, ball handling is the thing that definitely uh, stood out the most for him and improved the most for him. Uh, His ability to handle the ball is still not like great. He's still not someone who you're going to rely on to ISO every single play, but he's a guy who can do it now, and he can do it a lot better because he, at some points, like early in his career, looked like he looked like an amateur while dribbling. Like He did not look like a professional player while dribbling, and he was really able to pull off some impressive moves this season that had me in awe. Uh, and then his three-point shot is something that uh, was good in previous seasons and then just all right last season, but he was excellent as a three-point shooter this year. Shot basically six per game on 38%. You love to see that. Someone who sl- uh, 
uh, slashes very well. Is one of the better at attacking the basket uh, on the Celtics team just because he's so, so athletic. Uh, he's ridiculous as an athlete. He's a guy who can really jump out of the gym and he's really built, too. He's super strong, uh, has a really good frame, gets to the free throw line uh, at a decent rate, about 4.3 a game. Uh, his rebounding is pretty good as well just with that frame. Playmaking is something that is, again, it's like his handle. It's far from perfect, but you just want to see that improvement, and he definitely improved as a playmaker. Defense uh, is something that on-ball defense, one of the best in the entire league. He's an incredible on-ball uh, defender, but his off-ball defense is something that's definitely suspect and can definitely get him beat at times. It's just more of an IQ thing than anything because he definitely puts an effort on the defensive side of the ball. I would never question his effort. It's literally more just uh, him continuing to learn about the game and continuing uh, to learn how to not get beat back door and how to rotate better. So I think he'll just continue to get better on the defensive side of the ball. A guy who can uh, definitely be an all-NBA defender uh, at some point just because of how uh, strong he is, how good his frame is, and how much effort he puts in on that end. And I just really like Jalen Brown. I think he is a player who can would be able to seamlessly slide into any team, and I think he fits perfect on this Boston Celtics team. Next, at number 30, we got Brandon Ingram, the most improved player of the 2020 season. Just a really good season for him. Uh, averaged about 24 points per game, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists on 46% from the field, 39% from 3, and 85% from the line. By far the most impressive thing about his improvement was his ability to shoot the ball. He shot the ball really, really good. Uh, in the previous season in 2019, only shot 1.8 a game on 33%. And then he just took a massive leap this year, shot 6.2 a game on 39%. That's truly elite uh, stuff right there. Also got to the free throw line 5.9 times a game and shot a really good percentage, 85% uh, in the previous season. And in basically every season before, he was an atrocious three-point shooter. Only shot 67% uh, the last year, shot 68% in 2018, and shot 62% in his rookie season. So that's another thing that he definitely took a step on. Uh, continued to get better as a playmaker. That's definitely something he did show in his previous seasons, though. He's always been someone who can play make pretty well uh, and with his size and his scoring ability if he can just continue uh, to be able to play make like that that's definitely gonna just open up his offensive game even more and open up uh, things for uh, the guys around him uh, he can rebound the ball pretty well would like to see him improve on the defensive side of the ball because he's got the height and he's got the length I think it's more of an effort and an IQ thing for him uh, just want to see him, yeah, become a better defender because I think he has a lot of potential on that end. Uh, it's just more about the consistency, and he can show at certain times being a very good defender. I uh, just want to see him be a consistently good defender the entire time. Uh, but his offensive game alone has to put him very high, and it's not like he's a liability on the defensive side of the ball by any means. So, yeah, Brandon Ingram is an excellent player who's coming off a really good season. I think he's going to continue to be very good for the Pelicans team. Pelicans team he's going to get the max contract for them, and that's well, well-deserved. Next, we got Pascal Siakam. Uh, coming off a bit of an interesting season as he started off the season hot. He was really, really hot to begin the season. Uh, looked like one of the best players in the entire league. Uh, he was ridiculous at the beginning of the season. Like, December Pascal Siakam was like a 28-point-per-game score on like eight attempts from three shooting like 40%. He was insane. Definitely cooled down a lot. Uh, later in the season to just being still a very good player but 
uh, not the special things we saw at the beginning of the season. Uh, average 23 points, about 7.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists. Uh, Three-point shot definitely took a leap with him uh, shooting way more than he had uh, in his previous seasons. Shot 6.1 a game and shot about 36%. Percent did go down by only 1%, but uh, shot uh, more than... Uh, twice the amount he did the previous season so that's definitely impressive showed way more of an ability to create his own shot still not perfect by any mean at at creating his own shot but it got better uh it's more the playoffs why he's ranked so low because if we're just going off regular season like he was great in the regular season for a really good toronto raptors team uh but in the playoffs he was super disappointing i i don't expect him to be this bad by any means because he was just really bad in the uh, bubble as a whole like the seeding games he wasn't good either it was something uh about that that just threw pascal off i don't know if he just hadn't touched a basketball in a while i really have no clue what it was but he averaged 17 points on less than 40 percent from the field and then the three-point shot is something that was atrocious especially during that celtic series uh he shot 4.8 a game on 19 percent that is just simply unacceptable stuff from him right there. He has got to be better. And we saw his improved but still not great shot-creating ability completely exposed. Uh, and he's not the best player on this Toronto Raptors team. Kyle Lowry is the best player on this Toronto Raptors team, and I am fully confident in saying that. So, yeah, Pascal has got to be better uh, in the playoffs next year. And I expect him to take a leap. He's a guy who is very, very clearly a super hard worker uh, and is someone who I expect to get better every single offseason. So, yeah, I think Pascal's in for a good season next year. But uh, until he shows that, I have to have him where I do, which is the number 29 player in the NBA. Uh, next, we got Chris Middleton coming off an excellent season, a guy who averaged nearly 50-40-90, which was just so, so impressive, especially because uh, he averaged... Uh, uh, over 20 points per game, nearly averaged 21 points per game uh, on about 50% from the field, 41.5% from three, 91.5% from the line. Uh, just a really good second option. Uh, someone who's also a very good wing defender. Uh, n- never going to be like an all-NBA defender type guy, but he's very, very solid. Uh, his playmaking is pretty decent as well. Uh, his ability to create his own shot is still not something that's uh, great, but it's uh, something that's pretty good, uh, and it's gotten better every single year. Rebounds the ball decently, uh, and like I said, he's just in a super efficient offense player who's a very good uh, defender as well. Shot 5.73s on fifth on uh, 41.5%. So, so good from uh, him right there. And honestly, probably the most impressive thing is that he did this in 30 minutes of play. Uh, that's really, really good from him. Uh, per 36, he averages 25 per game, like... Uh, that is really, really good, and it's impressive how in a pretty small amount of imp- uh, minutes for uh, at least a star player like him that he was able to make such an impact. And yeah, he's coming off an excellent season, a career year for Chris Middleton. Uh, at number 27, we got Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. Uh, obviously, we know what he brings on the defensive side of the ball, an excellent defender, uh, easily one of the best in the entire league. Um uh, his shot blocking ability is something that is just 
basically been incredible since his second season. Uh, since his second season, he's been able to average over two a game. That's something you're always going to be able to rely on. He's just an excellent rim protector. And even when he's not necessarily getting blocks, he's always a guy that's going to alter people's shots, which even though doesn't show up in the stats sheet, uh, is something that is just as important as being able to be a shot blocker. And honestly, I think is even more important than being a good shot blocker is just being able to alter people's shots. Uh, someone who can also rebound the ball really, really well. Uh, average 13 and a half rebounds, 3.4 offensive rebounds. Uh, someone who, whose offense still isn't great, but has gotten better. He's just become a lot more aggressive as a finisher. That was something that about his game that used to be really frustrating that I feel like he would go up soft way too often, but now he really uh, finishes strong, uh, is a super efficient offensive player, 69%. Uh, never is going to be someone who shoots the ball. It's just way too late in his career to even think about that. Uh, but he gets to the free throw line pretty well as well, almost uh, six attempts per game. Uh, doesn't shoot a great percent. That's something he's never been good at either. Uh, only shot 63%, but his value on the defensive side of the ball is just super high, and he's an improving offensive player every single year who's a great screen setter, a great rebounder, good at rolling to the basket, and just does a lot of the traditional center stuff, uh, but does it, like, really, really well. And then last in this part, uh, our 26th player, in the NBA, we got Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo is coming off an excellent season for the Miami Heat. He was so, so good for them. Uh, averaged 15.9 points, 10.2 rebounds, and 5.1 uh, assists on nearly 56% of the field. He was uh, excellent in the in the regular season, was able to make an all-star game. Uh, he was one of the most improved players in the league. In my opinion, he should have been the most improved player. Uh, but De Brandon Ingram definitely deserved that as well. Uh, but yeah, his uh, playmaking is something that really came out of the uh, blue for me because I wasn't really like a huge uh, watcher of the Miami Heat because in these past couple seasons, they've been uh, decent, but they haven't been anything special. But this season where they were a lot better and they had a lot of players on this roster that I liked, I watched them a ton. And his playmaking is something that's so impressive. One of the best big men passers in the league. Uh, just off the top of my head, I would only have Nikola Jokic ahead of him. Uh, and with his ability to also handle the ball, because there's other good passers. There's guys like DeMontis Bonus, But he's even more dynamic as a passer because he's someone who can really handle the ball. Like, he's a really good ball handler uh, for his size. He's someone who they rely on to get the rebound and take it all the way up court, which is something that very few centers uh, do or are even allowed to do. Uh, and that's something that's just a very impressive part of his game. I'd like to see the three-point shot become a thing at some point. Because it's something that uh, a lot of players within the Miami Heat organization, a lot of uh, like their coaching staff has said he can shoot the three. Uh, but he just really hasn't yet. And it is a good sign that at least he's been uh, a good uh, mid-range shooter. He was killing the Celtics in the mid-range area. So hopefully he can step out uh, and continue to expand his game. But even if necessarily he doesn't, he's still a great offensive player. And then his defensive versatility is absolutely out of this world. He's a guy who is one of the rare guys who I can trust to guard one through five. Him, Ben Simmons, and maybe a couple other guys are like the only true I can trust him to guard one through five. He can switch on everyone. The Celtics would sometimes like try and take advantage of switches on him. And you just simply can't do that because he's too good. Uh, on the perimeter, he's so light on his feet, 
just so good at moving around. Uh, is an excellent shot blocker. And yeah, I just think Bam Adebayo is so, so valuable and so uh, important to the team. I think he's going to be in for a, another really good season next year, uh, especially if he can shoot that three ball and can continue to be a mid-range uh, shooter like the way he was. But he just showed so many good signs uh, in the playoffs, and obviously it was great in the regular season season as well but he truly ascended in the playoffs especially as a score his scoring ability uh, rose up to a whole nother level in the playoffs but yeah that's been my top 50 players in the nba 50 to 26 in the next episode i will bring you 25 to number one so yeah i hope yeah you did enjoy that section of the episode i'm gonna take a break and i'll be right back to talk about drew holiday trades Okay, I'm back, and next, I want to talk about my five best destinations for Drew Holiday, as it has come out that the Pelicans are looking at options to trade uh, Drew Holiday. At first, I want to talk about Drew Holiday to the Denver Nuggets. Now, this one has been rumored for a long, long time, and I just think it's such a beautiful fit, especially next to Jamal Murray, a guy who is obviously an excellent scorer and is improved as a playmaker, but still isn't a great playmaker yet. Uh, you get a really nice playmaker next to him and someone who can uh, fix a lot of the defensive lapses uh, with Jamal Murray. And with this team as a whole, they're not a great defensive team, so I think he'd be just such a perfect fit for him. Uh the only thing is, the assets may not be there. It's honestly all depends on what the uh, Denver Nuggets are willing to give up. Uh, Gary Harris would definitely have to be in that move, but Gary Harris has been pretty bad, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball uh, for these past couple of years. But I just think that Drew Holiday fit is so perfect. I think he fits uh, just seamlessly into almost any team, but especially that team fixes a lot of the holes they have on that team. And yeah, I just absolutely love. Uh, the Denver Nuggets with Drew Holiday. Uh, next, we got the Miami Heat. I think this is another really nice fit. Uh, just another guy who can uh, play on the wing and play great defense. Uh, someone who fits into that culture perfectly. And I think, uh, especially with uh, uh, Jimmy Butler next to him, I think they can make up uh, basically the best uh duo as far as wing defenders in the entire league i mean Kawhi and paul george are definitely up there but uh jimmy butler and uh, drew holiday would give a lot of other wings and guards very very long nights uh and drew holiday could also opt out so they could still have uh cap space in the 2021 offseason uh but if maybe they're less confident and they don't want to bet as much i think drew holiday would be a great trade piece for them uh miami is an excellent three-point shooting team so it could uh, hide some of his deficiencies as a three-point shooter if goran Dragic uh isn't re-signed then drew holiday can play that point guard role uh as uh he is a very very good facilitator so i love the fit with the miami heat i just think uh it's so so perfect uh, and he just fits that culture beautifully beautifully he would slide in so seamlessly and they also have the assets they have a lot of young guys who are really nice and it would honestly more just be about who the new orleans pelicans are the most interested in it has been rumored that they would be uh, willing to give up tyler hero for him and i think uh the pelicans would be so excited about getting a guy like tyler hero on their team who has showed a ton of potential and can be really good and would be a beautiful fit next to a guy like Lonzo Ball so if that move could happen obviously you'd have to throw some other contracts in there but if that move can happen I think that'd be a really nice deal for uh, both sides to be honest uh, next we got the Mil Milwaukee Bucks this is the team that I think 
is most necessary that they have to try and get Drew Holiday. No matter what, they need to try and trade for Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is such a perfect fit for this team. Uh, their issue was creating their own shot, which is something he can do. And he would just add another star to that team. He's a guy who can uh, create for the other guys on this team, can create for himself, and would make that defense, which was already ridiculous, just even better. Uh, a guy who can truly lock up uh, some of the better guards in the Eastern Conference because they're going to have to go through some really good guards and fours that he could guard. He could be a guy who, uh, if they're playing the Celtics, they could throw on Jason Tatum at time, could throw on Kemba Walker, can throw on Jalen Brown. Uh, if they're playing the Raptors, they can throw on Kyle Lowry, and they can throw on Fred Van Vliet if he resigns. Uh, they can throw him on Jimmy Butler if they play the Miami Heat. They can throw him on Kyrie Irving if they play the Brooklyn Nets. That would just be so, so perfect for them. Uh, it would honestly be all about uh, who would be willing to take on Eric Bledsoe, who is the guy who is continuously uh, choked in the playoffs. I think they may have to get a third team involved because it just wouldn't really make sense for the Pelicans to try and uh, get Eric Bledsoe when he's – uh, a player who's kind of similar to Lonzo Ball and would stunt the development completely of Lonzo Ball. So if they could get a third team of all somehow, uh, I think they'd have some of the assets. I think uh, Dante Givincenzo is a really nice young player, and I think they could throw in some picks as well uh, and make that move happen. Uh, I really love the fit with the Milwaukee Bucks. Next team uh, I would also love to see is the Dallas Mavericks. Now, the Dallas Mavericks are definitely probably the lowest uh, as far as assets that uh, the Pelicans would want, but just strictly as a fit, I think the fit would be beautiful with uh, the Pel uh, with uh, Drew Holiday to the Dallas Mavericks next to Luka Doncic, a guy who uh, is very very offensively focused, and even though isn't a terrible defender by any means, isn't a great defender. Uh, he could definitely fill up the holes with the uh, guard defense, and defense was a big issue for the Dallas Mavericks. So getting one of the best uh, guard and wing defenders immediately put in there would uh, honestly uh, ascend them into truly being a, a title contender for me because they're already a really good team. If you could get Drew Holiday on that team, that just makes them even better. Uh, and I think that's a beautiful fit. I also think the Mavericks uh, definitely need another guy who can create his own shot and cre can create for others because they had to rely on Luka Doncic a ton, and he's such a good player that it still worked. So getting Drew Holiday, that would perfectly fill in that hole. I think he just fills almost every single hole. Uh, maybe he wouldn't exactly fill their hole at uh, wing defense, but he is a guy who can switch on the wings at times, and I just think that's a beautiful fit. Uh, Dallas Mavericks would be a really exciting one. And then one that I haven't really heard uh, being talked about a lot, but I think would be very interesting, uh, is Drew Holiday to the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks have uh, talked about how they want to win now and they want to get a wing that could help them win now. Uh, and I think Drew Holiday would be perfect for that. They obviously have that six pick, and they've been uh, saying that they're willing to trade that six pick and some other pieces uh, to get uh a wing that can really help them win now, and I think that's a beautiful and seamless fit. A guy who can be put next to Trey Young and uh, can hide some of his deficiencies because Trey Young is an awful guard defender, and then you put one of the best uh, guard defenders in the league. And I would also love to see Trey Young off the ball more because I think that could really uh, unlock him as a three point shooter and make him even more efficient, even though he's already a really good one. We see with Steph Curry, Steph Curry plays off the ball so much, and that helps his game a lot. 
because uh, he just doesn't have to take on that uh, wear and tear of being the main ball handler every single possession and having to create every single time. So if they could pull off this move. I think that's an absolutely perfect fit. I think it would unlock Trey Young's game, and I think they could be a playoff team. Now, Drew Holiday has said he wants to play for a contender, so he may not be willing to play for them, which would uh, maybe put some complications to us. But if he is willing to play for the Atlanta Hawks, I think that would be a perfect fit. And I also think uh, the Pelicans would definitely be interested in some of the assets they have. I think a guy like Kevin Herter is a beautiful fit uh, on the Pelicans because they're a team that's just going to want as much shooting as it can get uh, next to a guy like Zion Williamson, who's probably never going to be a great shooter. Uh, and then you got some other young uh, wings as well, like DeAndre Hunter. I don't think they'd be, they'd be willing to move DeAndre Hunter, but I'm just saying you have uh, nice wings like that. Uh, yeah, and I just think that's a beautiful, seamless fit. And I think the assets are there for both sides. I think it makes complete sense. It all honestly just depends on if Drew Holiday is willing to play for them. But yeah, that was my five best fits and best de- destinations for Drew Holiday to land. Next, I want to talk about how it is official. The NBA is starting on December 22nd. This is super, super exciting. Uh, As the NBA PA has agreed uh, and they voted on uh, the December 22nd start, I think this is really exciting uh, just for everybody, to be honest. It is going to be a short offseason, and it may be hard on some of the players. And uh, I think as NBA fans, we have to be – uh, not mad at certain stars, especially guys like LeBron, maybe even guys like Jimmy Butler. We cannot be mad at these guys at all if they have to sit out some games because those guys were in deep playoff runs and they're going to be right back at it. But the December 22nd start makes a lot of sense because at this point we have no clue when a vaccine is going to be out. So it doesn't really make sense to wait till like February because if there's no vaccine out by then, it's like, what is the point of waiting that long and missing out on so much revenue? Uh, Christmas games have always been a big source of revenue for the NBA. So it makes sense for them to start near that time. They'll get their Christmas games in and they'll still be able to get a 72 game season and, uh, and get a playoffs done before the Olympics start, which is something that they definitely absolutely needed to do. Uh, was get it done before the Olympics started because uh, certain, especially the players who are foreign-born players, uh, care more about uh, winning their country a title than winning their NBA team a title. So it makes sense for them to do that. And I just absolutely love this. I'm so excited. It's going to be a shortened offseason for sure. uh, It's probably going to be the hardest transition on rookies, uh, if I'm being honest, because uh, rookies are just going to have such a quick transfer from – immediately just uh, training and getting ready for the NBA to basically starting games right away. Uh, It's definitely going to be interesting for free agency as well, as usually we'd have to wait like months to see uh, a free agent play for a new team, but we're going to see a free agent play for a new team pretty immediately uh, as free agency is going to start shortly uh, after the November 18th draft. Uh, And that's going to be really interesting to see because if a guy, say, like Fred Van Vliet signs like the Knicks, it's not like we're going to have to be like, oh, two months, wait for that. No, it's literally like a month, uh, even less than that. So it's really, really exciting. I'm so happy that they agreed on this. Uh, I'm happy that the NBA PA decided that this was the right idea. Uh, And I think it just makes sense for both sides. You uh, get the season done before the Olympics start. You get that revenue that you're going to need because – 
uh, the NBA players want to make money. Uh, they want to make as much money as they can make, especially in a 2021 offseason, which is going to be lucrative, filled uh, with star talent all over it. Uh, they want to have the cap as high as they can. Uh, and I think we're going to see really exciting moves during uh, that. So it makes sense because we heard that they couldn't miss out on $500 million uh, starting it. Uh, later than they were so it just makes complete sense on both sides it was something that it wasn't like super surprising because they uh, had talked about it for multiple weeks now and it seemed like it was inevitable but it's just exciting to hear that's official because it was just a lot of unknown with what was going to happen with the NBA and it's not like uh, still we don't know everything but we know mostly we know the outline of what's happening and I'm just super excited to see basketball back Uh, I'm super excited to see what uh, teams and players uh, step up and play uh, better basketball. I'm excited to see these rookies in a really weird draft class. Uh, and, yeah, I think this next season is going to be excellent. I think it's going to be super fun. And I'm super happy that the NBA PA has officially voted and there's an agreement on this. Now we are going to get into some scouting reports. Uh, I've worked super hard. I'm about 50 players down so far uh, in the NBA draft. I want to get to maybe uh, 65 to 70 ish before the draft starts. Uh, but yeah, let's first start off with my first scouting report. We got Leandro Barmaro. Uh, he's a 20 year old, six, seven, 182 pound forward, uh, slash guard out of Barcelona in 2020. He averaged, uh, eight points, 1.6 rebounds and 2.5 assists on 42.3% uh, from the, uh, field, 29.3% from three and 71.1% from the line. He did play for multiple uh, different leagues, and he uh, is playing right now, actually. Uh, but this is just his 2020 stats. Uh, my strengths are that he has a, a quick first step that allows him to get to the basket. He's very crafty around the basket, pulling off some impressive moves. He had some really, really nice Euro steps in there uh, that I love to see. He finished at the basket pretty well. Uh, he's very light-footed, which helps his... Uh, defensive ability tremendously. He uh, does a great job of uh, sliding his feet and staying in front of his defender. He does a good job of moving around screens. Uh, he's a he, Overall, he's just a super smart uh, defensive player, and he works very, very hard uh, on the defensive side of the ball. He is a player who just plays so hard on that side. Uh, and he's a very good on-ball defender. He's an intelligent playmaker who showed a pretty impressive uh, ability to be an offensive initiator, especially with that size, with him being six seven and being able to play a point forward type role, uh, and especially with a high level team like FC Barcelona trusting such a young guy like that, that is a really good sign for him. Uh, he has uh, he works well in the pick and roll. He has the special ability to sometimes see things before they happen, which is the difference between a good playmaker uh, and just like. Uh, well, it's the difference between a good playmaker and a great playmaker. Guys like Luka Doncic can see things before they happen. And even though he's not necessarily going to be on that level by any means, uh, and he's not someone who's uh, necessarily a proactive passer every time, he's more of a proactive passer than most people who uh, most people are just reactive passers. And yeah, that's something that is really, really exciting to see for him. He also can handle the ball pretty well. Uh, he scores very well off the dribble, getting to the basket especially. He has excellent off-ball ability, cuts to the basket great, and gets him uh, self-open uh, catch-and-shoot opportunities. He's a willing shooter, uh, and overall, he just has a super high motor, never take plays off. Uh, he's played against a uh, very high-level competition. He's a good athlete, 
uh, gets out in transition very well and has good versatility with him being able to play one through three, guarding all three of those positions uh, and playing those on offense as well. My weaknesses, though, his shot form is definitely a bit weird, uh, and he must become a more consistent outside shooter. He has flashes sometimes where he can hit shots off the dribble and he can hit difficult shots. Uh, but it's just not consistent as all. And that uh, poor free throw shooting ability is definitely not a good sign for a shot. Uh, 71% isn't like atrocious, but by no means is it good. Uh, and he needs to get to the free throw line more as well. Uh, he can be too aggressive on defense, which can lead to fouls and can also lead to him being out of position and being beat uh, backdoor. Uh, he needs to put on weight and muscle. 6'7 and only 182 pounds. Definitely needs to uh, just grow into more of an NBA body, uh, which would definitely help his rebounding, which is one of his issues. He can also be too turnover prone as he can just be a little too aggressive. Uh, his high motor is something that you love to see. You love to see as a competitor especially, but sometimes he can just get a little bit too uh, aggressive and out of control. Uh, uh, he can also take difficult shots too too often, especially with him not being a good three-point shooter yet. Sometimes he uh, takes very questionable shots for uh, how good he actually is as a shooter. And he's definitely going to be a player that needs uh, some patience from the team he's on and needs time to develop into an NBA body uh, and to become a better shooter. And he has the tendency to just get out of control at times. I have him as a top 25 to 35 prospect. Uh, I'm fitting best with the Hawks because they need some secondary playmaking alongside Trey Young, and he'd be another nice defensive wing for them. Uh, and then the Bulls, they need more playmaking and wing depth. I've been compared to Justice Winslow and Joe Ingles, two guys who are both a bit of point forwards. I really like the Justice Winslow comparison because Justice Winslow is a guy whose shot has been kind of inconsistent throughout his career, but he's a guy who's a very good defender and a pretty solid playmaker. And then Joe Ingles, another guy who plays a point forward role. So, yeah, I like that comparison. And I like Leandro Barmolo. Uh, next, we got Abdole Nadoi. Uh, he's a 22-year-old, 6'6", 205-pound guard at a French. He averaged 10.1 points, 4.2 rebounds, and 4 assists on 52.3% from the field, 44.1% from 3, and 75.3% uh, from the line in 2020 uh, in the LMB Pro A-League. Uh, my strengths are that he's excellent size uh, and length with a ridiculous 7-2 wingspan. As a guy who can play point guard, uh, he's a very good decision maker, works great in the pick and roll, good passer, uh, does a very good job of limiting turnovers, uh, pretty good ball handler, has a good first step that allows him to get to the basket, and he finishes pretty well, especially on floaters. He has excellent touch on floaters and does a good job of using his body uh, to bump off people and then finishing with a floater. Uh, he can shoot over smaller defenders due to his size. A lot of the times, uh, again, on those floaters, I would just see him get up pretty high with his ridiculous wingspan. Uh, and his shot would be honestly unguardable from there. Uh, his outside shooting has showed some potential. Uh, he's a good defensive player who takes full advantage of his length and athleticism. Uh, definitely does a really good job of getting into passing lanes and forcing turnovers, helped by that ridiculous 7-2 wingspan. Uh, he's a very good athlete. Uh, someone who uh, can attack the basket well due to his explosiveness. Uh, he's a solid rebounder. He's played high basketball, uh, level basketball for multiple years now. Uh, and he also has good versatility with the ability to play one through three. Uh, my weaknesses are his shot is something that I'm unsure about as he shot a pretty low volume, even though he shot a good percentage. Uh, and it just doesn't seem like completely natural yet. He always seems to hesitate a little bit. 
Uh, he's a good but not elite ball handler, which is something uh, that may limit him a little bit against uh, better competition in the NBA. Uh, he can be too passive on offense at time and is sometimes uh, just too... Uh, fine and willing with just being there and he sometimes can be out of control on offense which leads to offensive fouls he had a surprising amount of uh, charts taken on him just because he'd be a little too out of control uh, he's still a somewhat raw player whose skill could definitely use some refining for sure uh, he could put on more size which would help him uh, as a finisher and defender uh, especially when he gets to the NBA, he's a uh, pretty good size uh, at 205 pounds, but if he could get just a little bit stronger, uh, just that would help him f uh, finish through contact and then be a better defender, especially uh, closer to the basket. And his lack of uh, elite quickness can hurt him while guarding more athletic players. He's not a uh, super ladder laterally quick but it's definitely helped by his wingspan and his size and that can make up for it sometimes i'm as a top uh, 40 to 50 prospect i'm with uh fitting best with the hawks because they need back a point guard play and you just have some nice uh dynamicness and versatility to them my comparisons for him are uh, thomas sadaransky and frank nielakina two very big point guards who are both good defenders uh frank nielakina is someone whose uh, shot kind of reminds me of him because it's Something that, like, they can do it, but they're not great at. And I like the Frank Neal Kina comparison a lot because they're both two big point guards who uh, are good defenders, but their offensive game uh, is something that's a little bit worrying. And then Thomas Sadoransky and him are pretty similar as playmakers. So I do like uh, Abdullah Nadoi, but I don't know how good he's going to be necessarily. Next, we got Skylar Mays. He's a 23-year-old, 6'4", 205-pound guard out of LSU. He averaged 16.7 points, 5 rebounds, and 3.2 assists on 49.1% from the field, 39.4% from 3, and 85.4% from the line. My strengths are that he's a very good 3-point shooter. He can both... Uh, he can shoot both off the catch and the dribble. Uh, he gets to the free throw line well, and he's a great free throw shooter, which is always a good transition, uh, good sign for his shots to transition to the NBA. Uh, he's a good ball handler, finishes at the basket well, uh, and overall, he's just a versatile scorer who can score at all three levels of the game, shoots the three ball very well, gets to the line well, finishes well, as uh, a good mid-range shooter, just pretty polished on that side of the ball. Uh, works. He works pretty well in the pick and roll. He's an aggressive defender who plays pretty hard on that end. He defends uh, both on and off the ball well, and he has excellent anticipation, uh, especially on uh, when he's playing off ball, which allows him uh, to force turnovers and get out in transition. Uh, he's a good rebounder for his size, uh, him being only 6'4", but averaging five rebounds per game is a good sign. Uh, he's a very intelligent player who has an excellent feel for the game. Uh, Known as a hard worker and improved his game a lot every single year in college. Uh, he plays his role, and he's a prospect who uh, could come in and have an immediate impact with him being a four-year college player and just knowing uh, how to play his role. My weaknesses are, though, he's a pretty average athlete, uh, doesn't have great size for a two-guard, not a, a great playmaker, and he's a bit of a tweener uh, just because he's not a great playmaker, but he doesn't have great size where he has more of the size of a point guard, but he doesn't play the point guard role. Uh, he needs to move more off ball, and that could definitely be something that helps his ability to just get easier shots. Sometimes he just stands around a little too often. So if he can uh, be a guy who runs off screens and cuts to the basket, I think that would definitely help him. His left-hand finishing needs to improve, uh, as he definitely relied on that right hand when he was going to the basket. And though he's smart uh, and puts effort in on the defensive side of the ball, his physical limit 
expectations will definitely hold them back on that end with just a lack of a big wingspan or great size uh, or great athleticism. Uh, he's a very old player. His lack of uh, burst and size will limit his ability as a finisher. Uh, he could put on some more muscle as well. And his ceiling is just very limited due to his size and athleticism. The annoying thing about him is he's a player who is not even his fault that his uh, ceiling is limited and that I don't think he's going to be a great player. Because as far as skill, he does uh, basically everything that he can, but... Uh, his athleticism is something that's really going to hold the back in the NBA. I'm as a top 45 to 55 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Celtics because they need someone that can come off the bench and score the ball well. And then uh, the Mavericks because they just always can use catch and shoot guys to put on alongside Luka Doncic. Uh, my comparison for him is Josh Hart. Uh, I just think that fits pretty well with uh, them both just being uh, decent players. I think Skylar Mays is going to be decent in the NBA, but nothing special. Uh, kind of like Josh Hart. I don't think he'll be as good as Josh Hart because Josh Hart definitely has more size. I think Josh Hart is around 6'7", 6'6"-ish. Uh, uh, but they're both good rebounder for their size, can both shoot the ball pretty decently, uh, and both are decent defenders as well. Next, talking about Elijah Hughes. He's a 22-year-old, 6'6", 215-pound uh, forward slash guard out of uh, Syracuse. He averaged 19 points, 4.9 rebounds, and 3.4 assists on 42.6% from the field, 34.1% from three, and 81.3% from the line. My strengths are that he is great size for a guard. Uh, with him being 6'6", playing the two guard sometimes, he also has really good length as well. Uh, he's a very good spot-up shooter. He has excellent ability to move off the ball, cuts to the basket very well, uh, and gets uh, spot-up shooting off- opportunities running off screens. Uh, he can hit shots from very, very deep. He had some like near-logo shots that he was able to hit in college. Uh, he has the ability to make very tough shots. Uh, he's a good scorer off the dribble. He's an explosive leaper who's ferocious while attacking the basket. He caught some bodies uh, in the in the games that I watched of him. He's a good touch around the basket uh, and is a pretty good post player for a guard. It's something that really isn't talked about his game uh, and it's something that he doesn't like go to super often. But especially when there's a smaller guard on him, he's good at taking advantage of that in the post. He works well in the pick and roll, uh, mostly as a scorer, but is a solid playmaker as well. Uh, he's a good free throw shooter who's very good at getting to the line. His leaping ability allows him to be a surprisingly good shot blocker, as he was one of the best shot uh, blocking guard slash wings uh, in all of college basketball. Uh, he's good in transition, and he's a high motor and energy player. Uh, my weaknesses, he has a tendency to take some very poor shots, which is why, even though he's a very good shooter, he only shot 34%, uh, just because he can take some... Sp- bad bad shots that are ugly at times and even though it's exciting when he's making them when he's missing them it's it's rough out there uh he's and overall he's just streaky as a shooter he played in his own heavy defense uh at Syracuse so it's unclear how his defense will transition that's always something that's going to be criticized about Syracuse guys is just how uh much they play zone, and he did have some defensive lapses in that zone. His ball handling and ISO ability could definitely use some work. He's not a very good rebounder. I mean, 4.9 a game is decent, but like if you look at the advanced stats and look at like his rebounding percentage, it's honestly pretty bad. Uh, he's a player who's dealt with some nagging injuries, so durability could be a problem. He's not a player who like misses games that often, but maybe he'll miss a quarter or two here and there. Kind of like similar to like Anthony Davis, where Anthony Davis... Uh, isn't a player who really misses like a bunch of games that often, but he couldn't miss a game here and there, miss a quarter here and there. And then he's not uh, great at finishing in the half court. 
Uh, definitely better in transition as a finisher. I'm as a top 35 to 45 prospect. Uh, I'm fitting best with the Bucks because they can definitely use just a big-time shot maker who's willing to take very difficult shots. Uh, and then the 76ers, they need an explosive score off the bench that can be a spark plug for them. I haven't compared to J.R. Smith. I think that's the perfect comparison. Both two very athletic guys who uh, can shoot the ball pretty well but uh, can take some very poor shots. Uh, and, yeah, I just love that comparison for him. Lastly, we're going to talk about Yudoka Azubuke. He's a 21-year-old, 7-foot, 270-pound center out of Kansas. He averaged 13.7 points, 10.5 rebounds, and 0.9 assists on uh, 74.8% from the field and 44.1% from the free throw line. He also averaged 2.6 blocks as well. My strengths are that he has incredible size with him being uh, 7-foot and having about a 7.5 to 7.6 uh, wingspan. He's one of the strongest and most built players in the entire class. I mean, seven foot, two hundred seventy pounds, and that's all muscle for him there. Uh, he's a dominant low post presence with a great uh, mix of size, strength, uh, and power. Uh, he's a great lob target. He's a surprisingly good leaper for his size as well. You'd think uh, all that weight that he's carrying would maybe hold him down a little bit, but he's pretty good at uh, leaping. He's very good hands, which definitely helps him uh, in the post. He's a very efficient offensive player who really doesn't take bad shots. He's never uh, someone you're going to see forcing anything. Uh, he's an excellent shot blocker, very good rebounder with an impressive ability uh to uh, get extra possessions for his team on the offensive end. He sets very good screens and rolls to the basket well, does a great job of uh, using his body to uh, position himself uh, to rebound and put him in good post position. Uh, and he has a very good hook shot that he uses quite frequently. My strengths are that he's a very, very raw talent and player overall. Uh, he must uh, improve as a free throw shooter, has an atrocious percentage 44% is just absolutely unacceptable uh, and it's going to make him a liability in the NBA at times if he doesn't improve that but he is a player who's uh, picked up basketball later in his career so hopefully he can improve on that he's not shown any potential at all as a shooter his face-up game must improve Uh, He's not comfortable at all as a passer, which is another reason why his face-up game just isn't good because he's not comfortable uh, passing. His hook shot uh, is good but could use some more polishment and just could become a little bit better. Uh, He's a poor defender in space and in the pick-and-roll because he has pretty heavy feet. That's something that his weight uh, definitely holds him back with a little bit. Fouling has been a problem uh, that's plagued him throughout the years. He's definitely gotten better uh, since early in his college career, but it's still something that's uh, far from great uh, and definitely could use some work. He's been injury-prone, which is concerning due to him just being such a big and heavy player, and his game is not modern at all. He's Uh, Not very good in transition due to his lack of speed. His basketball IQ, absolutely no excuse, must improve. He needs uh, to become better at reading defenses. Uh, And that's going to be something that's big about his game. Uh, Him being a four-year player uh, with his lack of polish is concerning again. He did pick up basketball later in his life, but still, he's... uh, At the end of the day, he's a 21-year-old, nearly 22-year-old player who still is super raw conditioning can sometimes be an issue and his weight is going to be need to be monitored uh i'm as a top 45 to 55 prospects and i'm uh, have him fitting best with the hornets because they need shot blocking uh and rebounding presence desperately their center position is super weak uh and my comparison for him is actually a throwback player we got eddie curry uh both pretty similar games both uh, very big players who 
uh, are good shot blockers, good rebounders, and do a lot of the traditional center things right. Uh, but in a more modern game, I just don't know how you you know Buki fits. So that's why I have him as uh, pretty lowly rated as a prospect. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Hope you enjoyed. It's been Michael. Peace out.